superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week nine. I cannot believe we're already at week nine, but we're here. Pat and Billy will be providing their thoughts on each player in each tier. And there is no true pair that is better to provide analysis on the rankings because Billy was the number four overall most accurate in-season fantasy football ranker in 2022, and he has done consistently well in our accuracy competition. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Terra Time. So buckle in because their insight is going to help a ton this week with your fantasy matchups. We are covering rankings for running backs and wide receivers. And there is a ton to talk about because the rankings for these positions are affected by all of those crazy injuries and changes to quarterbacks across the league. And we're going to cover some of those players effective. So stay tuned and buckle in. This is going to be fun. Before we get started. Don't forget to subscribe, of course, and turn on notifications. Now let's go ahead and jump into our top 20 players at running back. Running backs. Uh, Pat, I'm going to toss it to you first. Who really stands out here for you? There are a lot of good running backs on bye this week, Tara. Um, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Javante Williams. So that means a lot of running backs are going to be pushed up in the week nine rankings. But I don't think there was anything that adequately prepared me for seeing Gus Edwards <laughs> inside the top 20. Uh, his ECR is RB 17. I, I do think that's a little high and an overreaction to his three touchdown game last week. But I myself have Gus Edwards at RB 20. So I guess I am not completely immune to the week nine siren song of Gus boss i feel that i mean it was a fantastic performance it was a good matchup but hey he's the rb1 it was a fantastic performance so i get it billy what stands out here in this top 20 to you you mean pat you didn't have three touchdowns from gus edwards on the bingo card last week i know did not have that billy (laughs) i i did not either that was that was caught me by surprise plotted his way in for three last week um I think it's a surprise to continuously see Josh Jacobs inside the top 10 at the position. Um, I get that he is receiving the volume, but he has only had three finishes inside the top 10 at the position all season. Um, He has actually had one, two, three, four finishes outside the top 20, and he's had two outside or one outside the top 40. Um, We know we're going to see Aiden O'Connell this week, uh, most likely at the quarterback position. They just got rid of their head coach and their GM. A lot of changes in the mix. We saw Devontae Adams and other receivers not get any targets last week. I expect a shift to the guard and how this offense is going to be used. I expect to see that drastically affect Josh Jacobs this week, and uh, I don't think we can trust him inside the top 10. Yeah, I get that. It's, It's tough. We wish more for him, but the production just hasn't been there at all. 
By the way, guys, again, for in-depth analysis on these players and to see our rankings and tiers, you can go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you're using my playbook app. All right, we're going to go ahead and dive in here to the B minus tier. We've got Zach Moss, Daryl Henderson, and Brian Robinson Jr. We want to pull out Daryl Henderson here and talk about him. Daryl Henderson, RB1 of the Rams again this week. Um, But he had a little bit of competition there from Royce Freeman, who is staying consistently present within that backfield, getting a solid amount of carries. So let's talk this out here. ECR has him at RB22, and you guys are a little bit lower on him this week. Pat, you've got him at RB27. Billy, you've got him at RB25. It makes sense. You know, Pat, I'll start off with you. Is this concern for the upside that he lacks maybe due to the presence of Royce Freeman? That's part of it, Tara. And Royce Freeman actually outsnapped Daryl Henderson 33 to 29 last week. Uh, Henderson did outcarry Freeman 12 to 9. And while Henderson had three catches for 54 yards, including kind of a long one, Royce Freeman actually ran more routes last week. So uh, this really is a split backfield. And then we have to consider the possibility that Matthew Stafford doesn't play this week. He's dealing with a thumb issue. Sean McVay has called him day to day, but we really haven't gotten any sort of clarity about his prospects for playing in Green Bay this week. Um, Considering the Rams aren't really a, a playoff contender, wouldn't be surprising to see him sit in which case, uh, we're going to get either Brett Rippon or possibly rookie Stetson Bennett making the start for the Rams against the Packers. And um, yes, the Packers do have a bad run defense. And, and Tara, I think the Packers are pretty much destined to have a bad run defense and, until the end of time, uh, since it seems like that is a permanent condition. But um, a backup quarterback would definitely reduce the touchdown probabilities for all of the Rams skill position players. And I would find it hard to get excited about using a timeshare back tethered to a backup quarterback. It makes sense. I mean, you mentioned the Green Bay debacle they've had over there. Injuries across the board, players placed on IR, players in the secondary traded. So this could be kind of a weird game where it might be underwhelming might be underselling it. We could see just offensive disasters going up against each other. And while the carries might be there, I agree with you. There could be a lot of problems here. Billy, what are the concerns for you around Daryl Henderson? It's been the efficiency, or I should say the lack thereof. Um, We have yet to see him really do anything on the ground. His first week was 3.4 yards per attempt. Last week against Dallas, it is a stout defense, but still underneath the 3.0 mark at 2.6. So he's yet to eclipse 3.5 yards in, in both attempts. Uh, and and we saw a, a a large chunk gain on the receiving um in the receiving game last week 32 yards of his 54 you remove that he's a little bit lower in the rankings as well um and so i just would say pat pretty much hit everything that was was needed to be said about the offense and the changes and what's happening um and I just don't fully trust it. Um, he's gotten lucky with a touchdown in one week, the large gain in in week eight. Um, I know Green Bay's got that Swiss cheese defense up front, um, but I do not think that um, Drell Henderson is going to to finish much higher than than running back. You know, back in back in RB two here in in week nine with with the offense and and, and the concerns. You mentioned that uh, that 
touchdown that Daryl Henderson got in the prior week and this past week it went to Royce Freeman so if it bounces back and forth and there's no true goal line back you know it is a bit difficult to trust either one of them even with all the bye weeks and the quarterback situation on top of that it gets a little bit shaky we're gonna move on here to our C plus here we've got Alexander Madison Kareem Hunt Jerome Ford and Najee Harris the Cleveland tier is what we will call this one. And let's pull up one of the Cleveland running backs. We'll talk about Jerome Ford here, who did play um, on that injured ankle last week to the surprise of many, many fantasy managers there, but unfortunately was the least productive back in that backfield. Now, injury might have had something to do with it, but I think it's critical for us to kind of pull him out here and talk about him. ECR has got him at RB27, and you guys are on opposite ends of the spectrum here, so this is going to be fun. Pat, you're a little bit higher with him at RB24. Billy, you are not feeling Jerome Ford this week at RB37. So, Billy, I'm going to start off with you. Convince us why we should be heavy fading Jerome Ford this week. I'm not necessarily fading him. My ranking right now is a placeholder. I I want to see the reports that we get out of camp this week and and what his usage is going to look like. Uh, I was surprised to see him play last week, especially after they activated another running back off the practice squad. All the signals pointed to him sitting, and of course he played, um, quote unquote. I'm not sure you could call that playing, but he did play in the game. He was active, I should say. Um, This week, I fully expect him to play if he was even active last week, um, and we're going to see more snaps. Um, it was interesting to see him be uh, 100% utilized in the two-minute drill. Um, so that's that's promising for his 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 usage moving forward. Uh, even if he is injured, they trusted him the most during the two-minute drill. Uh, if if we know that he is uh, good to go in practices this week, you know we're recording this on Wednesday morning. So if we get that Wednesday afternoon practice report and we get a limited session, limited tomorrow, I think we can give him uh, a bump in the rankings and the projections and move him into his his usual usage. But until until those practice reports come out, I'm going to be pretty hesitant. Not to throw you on the spot here, but matchup is against. Arizona and we've you know seen that you know we we're not gonna talk about Gus Edwards but we saw it last week that amazing performance Mm -hmm. that he had um if we got a healthy Jerome Ford he's cleared on Friday there's no issue we're good to go knowing that even in a shared backfield with Kareem Hunt and assuming he's gonna get work how high would you go with him given the matchup I can do a live projections update right now on on the show so let's do Let's see where that puts him. This is giving him a a full workload back to closer to the 60% um, that we would normally see from him. Um, And this is going to give him back to RB10. Cool. Wow. I like it. It's it's that, that Arizona defense. Um, I, I, um, we talked about Gus a little bit earlier, but I, you know, we do the start sit show that I do, um, with Chris Welsh on Sundays and we got a lot of Gus Edwards questions every single time it was yes, Gus, 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 because of the matchup. It's, it's, it's an ideal situation. I, I would love to see a healthy Jerome Ford cleared so that we could have that level of confidence in him. Cat, Pat, what, what level of confidence do you have in Jerome Ford this week? It's fairly high, Tara. And um, it was really interesting. Last week, we heard the Browns refer to this as like uh, either a low grade high ankle sprain or a minor high ankle sprain, which, you know, we just kind of rolled our eyes, I think, when we heard that because we know as fantasy managers, we're used to high ankle sprains and we know it's typically two to four weeks and like no one, no one gets a high ankle sprain and doesn't miss any time, right? Everyone misses at least one game. 
But then there are these reports that Ford was like practicing. They're showing video of him. He looked okay. Um, so he toughed it out and played. And only nine carries for 37 yards. The Browns did go with a three-headed approach at running back. 27 snaps for Kareem Hunt. 26 for Ford. 24 for Pierre Strong. But as Josh Norris of Underdog pointed out on Twitter this week, 22 of Ford's 26 snaps came in the second half of the Browns' 24-20 loss to the Seahawks, while Hunt and Strong combined for only 16 second-half snaps. So basically, the Browns were trying to give Ford a light day of work, but they ramped up his usage late in a close game. So I am still regarding Ford as the lead back in Cleveland. And even though we know the ankle can't possibly be 100%, Tara, you mentioned how juicy that matchup is. I mean, the Cardinals are just a a complete train wreck against the run. So, um, you know, I'd I'd definitely much rather play Jerome Ford than Daryl Henderson this week. I would agree with you 100% on that one. Before we move on to the next tier, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We are about halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day. Maybe you want to look at the lines for some of the players that we're covering today. Maybe a guy like Jerome Ford. You can do that on DraftKings. Get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now. Use code FANTASYBROS. New customers get just $5. Bet on anything and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYBROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we're going to move on to the C tier here. And again, it's always the C tier that we love just pulling tons of players out on. It's a fun tier to talk about. We've got Dante Foreman. We've got Damian Pierce, Amari DiMercato here. Royce Freeman, we talked about Daryl Henderson earlier. Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, and A.J. Dillon. So we're going to stop. We're going to pit stop right here and pull out several players in the C tier, kind of like I feel like we always do. And Damian Pierce is the first one that we're going to start with. Damian Pierce is an interesting and sometimes frustrating player. We want the best for him, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. ECR has them at RB29. Pat, you've got him at RB20, considerably higher, or 23, considerably higher than ECR. And Billy, you've got him just a little further back um, with him at RB31. Pat, I will start off with you. RB23 for Damian Pierce. Um, Tell us why you're leaning a little bit more into Damian Pierce this week. 
Another point of disagreement between Billy and I, and uh, I feel better about it with Jerome Ford, especially after hearing that Billy just had that as a placeholder ranking for him and, you know, might move him way up. Um, Pierce, I realize I am the odd duck among rankers here uh, by having Pierce this high. My case for him is that he is averaging 15.6 carries a game and actually ranks 10th in the league in rushing attempts right now. Um, He's at at least 11 carries in every game this season. Granted, there are some things I do not love about Damian Pierce's profile. He's averaging 3.0 yards per carry. Not good. And after getting three targets in each of his first three games this season, he's seen just four targets in the last three games and zero in the last two. Also, the matchup against the Buccaneers isn't great, although I don't think it's, it's totally prohibitive. The Buccaneers, they're 13th in DVOA against the run. Good, but not great. The rushing volume is secure with Pierce. That is what I like about him. Even with Devin Singletary's snap share starting to inch up the last few weeks. Um, And the Texans offensive line is now reasonably healthy after it was just a a complete wreck early in the season, which was part of the reason that Pierce's efficiency numbers were so bad in those first few weeks. They've started to creep up a little bit lately. I think Pierce is actually a pretty solid low-end RB2 play this week. Billy, what are your thoughts around it? I'm not having it, Pat. I'm I'm done with Damon Pierce. This uh, <laughs> the utilization is training in the wrong direction. Um, we talked about the Devin Singletary uh, snaps and 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 routes and and rushing attempts the prior week, um, and although it didn't stay in the same direction, it still is is cause for concern. Last week we saw 43% snaps for Damian Pierce. We saw 41% for Devin Singletary. Rushing attempts uh, percentage, we saw 41% versus 34%. And as you pointed out, the passing game has been non-existent for the last few weeks for Damian Pierce. Devin Singletary has a stranglehold on that with 10% last week and 8% the week before. Uh, Tampa Bay is very stout against the run. They've actually only given up one touchdown to running backs all season. It was in the passing game. They're the one of two teams to give up zero touchdowns on the ground to the running back position. The other team is Atlanta. Um, so second fewest fantasy points all season to the running back position uh, at 120. And so I'm not liking the matchup. I'm not liking the utilization. I'm not liking the inefficiencies we're seeing from Damian Pierce with 3.0 yard per attempt. Uh, now that he's obsolete from the passing game, there's a lot of concern with him moving forward. Uh, can't be happy about where we drafted him in fantasy matchups, and and I don't think we can even rank him inside the top 30 moving forward. Two weeks outside the the the, the top 45 at the position, uh, and he's only had two weeks inside the top 20 all season long. I see both sides here. I really do. I see with Pat, you know, the volume there, the average carries per game. There's there's good things that we can hit on there. But then the problem becomes the efficiency that Billy was talking about, lack of touchdowns. So it's like we got these things that we want to push together. and It's just not adding up correctly. So I think I'm on the side. For, I don't really see Devin Singletary as a major threat. I do see Damian Pierce as the, you know, stronghold and guy who ultimately will win out in that backfield. But unfortunately, I don't know that winning out in that backfield really amounts too much within the context of that Houston offense and their run game. So I'm kind of sitting like in the middle of you guys. I'm not I'm not feeling it, but I I, I do feel like he's the lead back there. Someone who is definitely the lead back on his team right now that we will talk about is Imari DiMercato, who is reasserted himself two weeks in a row here as the RB1 for the Cardinals. And this is a fun one here to talk about. Uh, This is going to be another nice debate here between we did good job. These are good 
picks right here. We have got ECR that has him at RB30. Pat, you've got him at RB29. And Billy, you have got him at RB19. Billy, let's start off with you on this one. Amari DiMercato, lead back of the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, who are now without Joshua Dobbs, uh, more than likely with Clayton Toon this week. But I don't know how much that really affects the volume that DiMercato will be seeing. Uh, talk to us about Amari DiMercato and why we should be buying in. Uh, it breaks down to volume, and he's actually been efficient. So uh, last week we saw 20, 20 attempts. The week before we saw 13, but he, in that week he saw five targets. So he's involved in the passing game. He's involved in the rushing game. Overall utilization, last week we saw him at 56% snaps, 79% the week before. He saw 67% of the rushing attempts uh, percentage-wise last week in week eight. He saw a 3% target share but has seen 16% the week before. So if we can get somewhere in the middle, call it 7 8% here, um, I'm happy about moving forward. I think that's what they're going to have to do uh, moving against – Cleveland, because Cleveland is is just a stout defense in general. When we see a inexperienced quarterback get inserted in the mix, they usually utilize the running back for dump offs. Uh, so we focus on the running back, we focus on the tight end, we focus on the slot receiver. Those quick, easy to dump off passes, uh, we see the quarterbacks kind of lean into those. So I do think it'll benefit him in the passing game. Uh, and if all else fails, they're just going to hammer the rock on the ground as much as they can to try to you know alleviate this game and and to keep the the ball uh, or let's just say the clock down uh, and to keep the ball out of Cleveland's hands. So uh, I like the usage primarily, um, and I think that uh, we can't take that away from him. And and if he's able to stay as efficient as he has, uh, top twenty back is in the mix. Uh, I think I agree with you on that one. I, I like him a little bit more than ECR this week. We're looking at him as an RB1, and it's tough to imagine a scenario where they say we want to increase the pass volume with Clayton Toon and decrease the run game. So I do think the volume is safe there and volume is king, even in a difficult matchup there. Pat, you've got him at RB29. What are your feelings around Amari DiMercato this week? Yeah, so I'm um, one above ECR, but not quite as enthusiastic as Billy is, and he did have 20 carries last week, but the Cardinals have been sort of unpredictable with their running back deployments with James Conner out um, week six, full-blown committee. Week seven, the DiMercato show. Week eight, DiMercato leading the way, Billy mentioned, uh, you know, 56% of the snaps, but that was down from 79% the week earlier, and we did see Keontae Ingram play 28 snaps to uh, 42 snaps for DiMercato. It appears we're going to get Clayton Tune, yes, and uh, that can't be a good thing. Um, and presumably that's going to limit the potency of the Cardinals and just, you know, knock down the touchdown likelihood for DiMercato. And uh, the Browns, good defense. They've allowed the 11th fewest fantasy points to running backs, and they're ranked number two in DVOA against the run. So there are some headwinds here for DiMercato. Um, yeah, I, I do think there's a built-in floor of touches here, probably around 15 or so. Um, I just, there might not be the touchdown outlook we like, and uh, there might not be the efficiency we like against a good defense. Oh man, you're not feeling Clayton Tune. We're not, you're not, he's not one of your top streaming options this week. <laughs> Can't say that he is, Tara. I do not want to play a name that tune this week. You haven't got that desperate at quarterback yet. We're not, there's not enough injured quarterbacks yet. We're not. <laughs> you haven't seen direction. my Scott Fishbowl team yet. I'm going to be happy to start Clayton Tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel that at my core with the way Jordan Love is performing. <laughs> All right, happier. Move on to happier conversations here. 
here. And let's talk about the potential, maybe potential upside for Roshan Johnson. Maybe not. Oh, now that I think about it, maybe this is not a happier conversation, unfortunately, because ECR has him at RB33. Pat and Billy, you were both further down on Roshan Johnson this week. Pat, you've got him at RB38. Billy, you've got him at RB35. This is an interesting one to talk about because I feel like there's so many angles going on here. We still have Dante Foreman that we have to deal with. The offense as a a whole is kind of suffering. We've got coaching changes that has happened at running back coaching over there in Chicago as well. We've got Justin Fields and the quarterback situation. So it's it's just a hot mess over there. In the Bears organization, unfortunately, as a Packers fan, it's say, hey, if we're going to suffer, you're going to suffer too along with us. So let's talk it out with Roshan Johnson. Pat, you're, you're at RB38, so you're the furthest back on him. What are the problems that you see with Roshan this week? Oh, everyone really wants to get on the Roshan bandwagon. You can just feel it. Um, but I don't think it's time yet. It was encouraging that he came back from his concussion last week and uh, immediately played more snaps than Deonta Foreman. 24 for Roshan, 21 for Foreman. But the Bears were also getting clocked by the Chargers in that game. And uh, Foreman is never going to play a lot when he is on the wrong side of the scoreboard in a blowout like that because he's a total non-factor in the passing game and always has been. So um, Foreman still outcarried Roshan 9-5. to And I do think this is going to continue to be a split backfield, possibly with Foreman being the 1A to Roshan's 1B if it's a run-friendly game script, unlike what we saw last week. So um, also a pretty tough matchup. The Bears face a Saints defense that has given up the fourth-fewest fantasy points to running backs, and the Saints rank eighth in DVOA against the run. So um, split backfield, tough matchup. I I can't get on board with Roshan this week. Billy, same thoughts around you? Yeah, I'm also behind ECR and Roshan. I was ahead of ECR last week. Uh, I was expecting the passing volume. I was expecting more, honestly. Um, I, I I would like to think, or at least the story I'm telling myself is that um, they wanted to ease him in after injury because that that's that long delayed concussion um, that he had is never a good sign for a running back who's going to be taking hits immediately from the linebackers and and from the front line. So I I would like to hope that that's what it was because he's definitely the more talented back. Uh, of these two here in the backfield and, and if, of the three, even with Darrington Evans on the field. Um, and so I, I do think that he has the ability to outperform this ECR pretty significantly, um, especially if they're going to be playing from behind again versus New Orleans and he's involved in the passing game. So I am optimistic and I'm going to you know, have the, the, the asterisk here saying that this is subject to change if we see anything uh, news that he is going to be ca- taking on more snaps this week because if we can give him back to what he was seeing closer in the beginning of the season like when he was seeing 43% snaps 45% snaps like we saw in you know the first three weeks when him and Khalil Herbert were dominating snaps if we can get closer to that I'm more comfortable with him as like a a you know top 30 31 running back on a week-to-week basis but um, the usage and volume and the the offense inefficiencies are, are a bit concerning. If you haven't heard about WhatNot yet, allow me to introduce you to this incredible platform. WhatNot is the world's leading live shopping platform, often described as a unique blend of eBay and Twitch. Here's how it works. Streamers go live to conduct auctions where they sell a wide range of items, including sports cards, jerseys, sneakers, and much more. 
This week in the hobby of sports card collecting, the highly anticipated NFL product Flawless was released. It's been making waves in the hobby, with cards worth six figures or more being pulled on a daily basis. When on whatnot, you can invest in a player like Jalen Morin, or in any player that you think will do well just by purchasing his card. You can snag a $10 discount on your first purchase by going to fantasypros.com slash whatnot and signing up. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. Again, sign up when you go to fantasypros.com slash whatnot to redeem your $10 discount. This link will also be in the description. We're going to move on to the C minus tier here. We have got... Tyler Algier, Cam Akers, Devin Singletary, Justice Hill, and Ezekiel Elliott. I want to just pull out here Cam Akers and talk about it just because it's always just a, as I look through questions and starts at questions, this one, you know, the Minnesota backfield is always one that just kind of has people trying to figure out exactly what's going on over there. You've got the side that believes that Alexander Madison is the lead back and that's not going to change. And then the side that has Cam Akers creeping in here. Which side are you guys leading on? Um, Pat, do you do you see Cam Akers creeping up in here, uh, taking over any of that workload from Alexander Madison? Or you think it's just a committee that he's still going to be towards the back end? Creeping up. I don't think we're on the verge of a takeover. I, I think ultimately what might prevent the takeover is the same thing that prevented the Cam Akers um, RB1 status with the Rams is that he's just not a very good pass blocker, and that's always going to be an issue. Um, so it, this week with uh, Josh Dobbs not ready to play yet, and we're getting another week of Jaron Hall at quarterback for the Vikings, He uh, the, the fifth-round rookie who came in uh, in relief of Kirk Cousins last week after Cousins tore his Achilles. So basically, I, I'm i not even excited about playing Madison this week, but I would play him. Like, I'd play him as an RB2 or a flex if I had to. I don't want to mess around with Akers and, and predict that this is a split backfield or an Akers takeover. Like, I, th- I think he's still the number two, and I don't want to play the number two in a limited offense uh, that's starting a fifth-round rookie at quarterback. Heavy agree on that. Uh, any thoughts around Cam Akers, or is there anybody else, Billy, that you are kind of interested in in this tier? I'm in the same boat with Pat. I'm going to be a little bit lower on ECR than 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 probably the average Joe. Uh, people keep saying there's a takeover, but if you look at the snaps and if you look at the rushing attempt percentages, it's not even there yet. I mean, he saw 22% snaps last week, and and uh, it's Madison saw 62%. He saw 30% of the rushing attempts uh, percentage wise uh, and Madison saw 53%. And in the passing game to Pat's point, um, acres can't pass block. He only saw 3% last week. They've kind of just not been using the running backs in the passing game altogether. Um, it might change with, with a, a change of guard at quarterback, but I just don't think that the cam acres train is fully up to the station yet. And, and I am not on board when it is coming because, uh, the usage has been inconsistent and, uh, Madison appears to still be their guy. I love that you laid it out like that because I've had the same thought processes there as well. I have not seen the level of takeover that a lot of people are seeing when you're looking at the statistics and breaking it down on a game-by-game basis. So you laid it out perfectly before we there. Moving on to the D-plus tier, you've got Tajay Spears and Miles Sanders coming off the game of absolutely nothing. Then we're moving on to the D tier where we've got Pierre Strong, Jeff Wilson, Zach Charbonnet. Interesting game he had there last week. 
Latavius Murray, maybe potentially threatened here by the presence of Leonard Fournette, and then Antonio Gibson. We want to pull out Zach Charbonnet in this. Coming off of that injury, I don't think a lot of us were really expecting him. Based off early season as well, the usage just really not being consistent or even a massive threat to uh, Kenneth Walker's workload there. But came off of the injury, returned to action, and outproduced, outperformed there uh, over Kenneth Walker. So let's talk it out here with Zach Charbonnet, because you guys are feeling Charbonnet more than ECR this week. ECR has him at RB44. Pat, you've got him all the way up at RB33. Billy, you've got him at RB39. So I want you guys in tandem to sell us on Zach Charbonnet, except don't sell me because I would prefer to be on the Kenneth Walker side. But Pat, sell us here on on Zach Charbonnet at RB33. And I don't think I could sell you on him if Kenneth Walker were totally healthy, Tara. Like I, I, The only reason yeah. <laughs> I think Charbonnet um could be flex worthy this week is because he's the healthier back like he came back last week practiced all week was good to go but walker has been dealing with this calf issue and uh the twitter injury docs will tell you the calf issues are tricky high chance of re-injury high chance of tweakage so uh charbonnet had 32 snaps to 24 for walker last week and i, I don't know if that will continue to be the case but if the Seattle Seahawks do continue to manage uh, the calf injury carefully, we're going to see a lot of Charbonnet again. And um, look, this kid is really good. Uh, 5.8 yards per carry, granted a small sample size of just 28 carries. But you can see it. This He is electric when he touches the ball. 57% success rate on runs this uh, year so far. And he's a good pass catcher. Eight receptions so far. I think he's going to contribute in that area. Tough matchup against the Ravens, but uh, I do think Charbonnet can be a flex play this week, and I think he's likely to get something fairly close to a 50-50 backfield split with Walker. I love that you mentioned the injury because that that had to be it right there. When you get someone who has more carries but less snap count, it seems like maybe he was being pulled off the field to kind of manage that workload in situations where he wasn't an absolute necessity there. So not a backfield takeover, but a situation like you're saying where Zach Charbonnet can be a usable asset for us. Billy, you have him at RB39, so you're higher here. What are your thoughts around um, Zach Charbonnet as well? Yeah, it's calf or bust. Uh, Kenneth Walker didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. I expected him to actually not play. Um, of course, Friday rolls around and no injury designation because that's logical. But um, we saw that be kind of transparent inside of the rushing game and the snaps. It's the first time all season that Zach Charbonnet uh, had anything remotely close. And I should say even he actually surpassed Walker in the overall snaps at 56% versus 44%. Um, he still did not eclipse him, though, in rushing attempt percentage at 31% versus 44%. Um, and um, he did actually eclipse him inside of the routes. So uh, if we continue to see this calf injury on the on the injury report, I think we can safely say that Zach Charbonnet needs to be adjusted in our rankings higher. Um, but um, if that if that calf injury, if he's limited all week and it's removed again on Friday, I think I'm going to be closer to ECR with this just because the utilization prior to the calf injury wasn't that promising. Um, 
And although the metrics um, look decent from a, a small sample size, I just wasn't impressed with his tape and how I've seen him run the ball. He runs too upright for me for a running back um, and never really bodes well for them in the NFL. So I, I, I'm not sold on, on Charbonnet. I think Kenneth Walker is by far the better back. And if he's healthy, it's going to be his backfield. I am in agreement with both of you on this. All right, we're going to move on to another segment with these running backs called Who Would You Rather? I'm going to give a list of players in one versus the other. You tell me who you would prefer. Our first one is Brian Robinson versus the Patriots or Alexander Madison versus the Falcons. We talked about Cam Akers there a little bit. We didn't really touch on the Washington backfield a ton there. Um, but it is interesting given, you know, the situation that they've had where they've offloaded their well, they've offloaded half their defense, unfortunately. Uh, so things could be changing a little bit in terms of how the offense is going to have to function in order to keep up with the volume that that defense might be given up. So who would you rather? I'm going to start off with you, Billy, Brian Robinson, or Alexander Madison. I'm going to go Alexander Madison. The usage has been a little bit more consistent, um, even though the Twitter trolls would tell me that there's a takeover from Cam Akers. So as we just discussed, there's not. Um, and the usage for Brian Robinson is is just as inconsistent. Um, and the offense, I'd say, arguably now isn't as good still. I know there's been a change of guard at the quarterback position, but um, Minnesota is is still, I think, has the weapons to succeed. Um, so I, I am not sold on, on Brian Robinson surpassing them, although uh, I do have them back-to-back -back in the rankings. Madison is one spot higher than Brian Robinson. So this is a, a literal coin flip. Um, when I'm in this situation and I can't make up my mind, I literally flip a coin. And so, um, but today I'm going to go with Madison with the with the data. I love that. <laughs> Pat, Brian Robinson or Alexander Madison? Oh, man, this one's a near coin flip for me, too. Um, it's been a really frustrating stretch for Brian Robinson stakeholders. Over the first four weeks in half-point PPR scoring, he was RB10 in fantasy points per game among backs with at least two games. Um, so everyone was thinking they had a great draft pick with Brian Robinson at that point. Over the last four weeks... Brian Robinson is RB28 in fantasy points per game. So he's gone from basically a, a running back one to a running back three. Um, I, I do feel as if Robinson at least has job security um, as the early down back. Not that that's meant a lot lately because Washington has gone crazy pass heavy lately. And Terry, you mentioned the trades with Washington getting rid of its two edge rushers, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Their cornerbacks were already very sketchy, and now with, like, no pass rush to, to try to force uh, quicker throws from opposing quarterbacks, man, I feel like teams are just going to feast on the commanders' pass defense, and maybe that makes the commanders even more pass-heavy themselves, trying to catch up and, and further diminishes Brian Robinson's early down role. But that said, I, I do have him. I feel a little bit better about his job security than about Alexander Madison's. And again, we talked about it earlier, the, the Jaron Hall thing. I just like I don't want to be invested in the Minnesota offense this week. And the Falcons, who the Vikings are playing, Falcons have been really stout against the run this year. So it's it's a pretty tough matchup. I, I feel a little bit little bit better about Brian Robinson this week. It, it's super close. I mean, I agree with you guys. You are literally flipping a coin on this one. But I think I lean towards Alexander Madison. 
Um, they're going to have to rely on that run game with the switch at Jaren Hall. Obviously, they're going to maybe try and, you know, emphasize the ground game here. So from a volume perspective, I think Brian Robinson's long term job, definitely more secure. But then this game in particular, we might be looking at a little bit more volume there for the running backs and Brian Robinson. I mean, we talked it out, man. He might not get the opportunity to run much, unfortunately, with the way that this Washington team is heading. Um, what was it? Over 50 pass attempts for Sam Howell last week. That's unreal. Unreal. But that might be the direction they're unfortunately going. We'll do the who would you rather next for Tyler Algier versus the Vikings or Royce Freeman versus the Packers. Billy, who would you prefer in this matchup? Oh, man, this one's I, I think I have to go with Tyler Algier uh, just because we have to like work in Arthur Smith to our decisions now. We just never know what he's going to do. Um, and for those Bijan uh, lovers and owners, this is this has kind of been um, your kryptonite all season. But for those who own Tyler Algier, it's kind of been a blessing because um, we kind of expected this from Arthur Smith not to make rationale decisions in the beginning of the year. Um, and I think we're seeing that on a week to week basis with Tyler Algier's usage. So just because Royce Freeman's usage has been consistent, although it was promising last week, it's still um, on the same level of inconsistency when we talk about this tier of running backs. Algier at least has the ability to, to potentially be the hot hand any given week inside of this offense. Um, you'd think, though, they own Bijan. It would never be a discussion. But with Arthur Smith, you never know. So I'm going to go Tyler Algier. Uh, I like to switch the quarterback with Tyler Heineke. I think it's going to benefit the offense. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit more. I think that he's a, a sneaky start if you're streaming quarterbacks this week, um, especially against Minnesota, um, who hasn't really been able to stop uh, much in the passing game, which game script wise should be able to benefit both both running backs, Algier and Bijan. So I'm going to lean Algier here. I was clearly looking ahead on this one with uh, talking about Taylor Heineke. We've got the <laughs> battle of of new quarterbacks and bad shaky quarterbacks on these. Who would you rather running backs here? Unfortunately, Pat, which which do you prefer, Tyler Algier or Royce Freeman? Oh, Billy just had to raise the specter of Arthur Smith to a man who is overweight on Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts on his fantasy rosters this year. So, uh, just for that, Billy, I'm going to oppose you here. I'm going to go with Royce Freeman. Um, Freeman did outsnap Daryl Henderson last week, as we mentioned, and the matchup against the Green Bay run defense, very favorable. Um, Algier does have a pretty built-in workload. Um, unfortunate to say, I, I wish it was a reduced workload and that Bijan was getting more work in the running game, but... Um, I don't like Algiers matchup as much. Not a lot has gone right for the Vikings this year, but one thing that has gone right is that Brian Flores has really tightened up their run defense this year. And uh, the Vikings have allowed the sixth fewest fantasy points per game to running back. So give me Freeman here by a nose. I'm on uh, your side, Pat, there. The Vikings defense performing a lot better than expected. And I'm with you. I just, you know... Love my Packers, but that run defense, you got to attack it. The volume could really be there and the production and yards per carry all could end up favoring Royce Freeman a little bit. So I lean that direction in terms of the better matchup. I hate to, but that is the direction we are heading. By the way, guys, if you want a chance to win a signed Dak Prescott Cowboys jersey, courtesy of Pristine Auction, the premier Autograph Sports Memorabilia Auction House. You need to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. 
comment on any video and that's it. We'll be announcing the winner right here on the channel. So make sure you turn on notifications so you know you can know when new videos are up and to claim your prize. Wide receivers. Now let's kind of just look quickly at this top 30 here. We'll talk about it real quick. The top 30 wide receivers. You can find our consensus rankings and tiers at fantasypros.com rankings. And in this top 30, Billy, I'll start off with you. What really stands out here with these players? Seeing Devonta Smith right now inside the top 12 is, is, is kind of... It's kind of crazy, honestly. He's had last week was a good week against Washington, but everybody can 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 score against Washington. Uh, this week is Dallas. It's going to be a tough matchup, and uh, he has finished outside the top fifty on three different occasions at the position this season. Outside the top thirty on two separate occasions. So only had two top ten finishes all season. See him inside as wide receiver one this week is a little bit concerning from a rankings perspective. So I'm not not buying the hype. Uh, he's significantly lower inside of my rankings. I would kind of lean that direction there. It's interesting. He's coming off a strong game, but it wasn't exactly a high volume game. And it's not like AJ Brown disappeared. So we'll see how this is moving forward. Pat, for you, what stands out in this top 30? It seems like this week, more than in any other week this season, there was uh, sort of an overreaction with a lot of the ECRs uh, to what happened in week eight. And Billy mentioned Devonta Smith. I think that was one glaring instance of that. Um, maybe, I don't know if this is as much an overreaction, but seeing Cooper Cup wide receiver 10 and Puka Nakua wide receiver 16, that's the lowest we've seen that pair for a while now. Um, maybe part of that was because of their failure to launch last week in that game against Dallas. Uh, but maybe part of that is just because of the uncertainty about Matthew Stafford's status with the thumb injury. So yeah, I'm just generally surprised to see the two Rams wide receivers this low. Um, I guess everyone's faith was shaken a little bit by what they saw last week. And I think they're going to do better against the Pack this week. Um, even if we do get a backup quarterback, I mean, the Packers just traded Razul Douglas, a very good cornerback. Um, and it's not like the, the Packers have been putting the clamps on wide receivers completely this season anyway. So uh, I think the Rams are going to bounce back this week. I'm a little surprised to see those two so low in the ECR. All right. Before we get started here, November is one of the best months for sports. We are deep into the NFL season. The NBA and the NHL are in full swing. College football is delivering some fantastic matchups. While we all love watching our favorite teams on television, there is nothing better than being at the game live and in person. And the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on Game Time, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros, Fantasy Football. Let's look at what's happening on game time in my city, Houston. Let's, looks like uh, game time is doing a flash deals on the Houston Rockets this week. So that's interesting there. You could take advantage of that. And I can see the view from every seat in the house. Love how easy this is to use. Game time really is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and redeem code fantasy pros for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code FANTASYPROS, that's FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off. 
Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, we're going to start off here talking about the B tier. We've got Gabe Davis, George Pickens, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, and Tyler Lockett. A very interesting tier here of guys who have strong upside if things go their direction. And the guy that we want to pull out here and talk about first here is George Pickens. ECR has him at wide receiver 27. And I am happy to say that you guys are both higher on George Pickens this week. And we talked about the overreactions before when we were talking about our top 30 players. And I wonder if this wide receiver 27 is an overreaction to what happened there. Because Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 23. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 19. Billy, I'll start off with you. Wide receiver 19. You Do you feel like we've taken too much into account with that performance last week and moved him too far back in rankings. Yeah. As Pat pointed out, a lot of overreactions this week inside of the rankings. Um, I'm a creature of following data and, and kind of utilizing more of a, uh, a snapshot of multiple weeks. Um, I'm going to chop up last week as just kind of one of those games, right? You look at altogether, like everybody inside of this passing game um, was kind of misused and underutilized. Uh, with the exception of Deontay Johnson, who still saw 25%. Uh, and I know there's quarterback concerns. Every team right now has quarterback concerns, it seems like. Um, but I, I do think that Pickens is just kind of a freak athlete and is going to be able to overcome that. So one reception on five targets last week, not the best results, although it did go for a touchdown. So we got we to, gotta, fantasy owners got to be rejoicing there. Um, that being said, they're facing Tennessee. Tennessee's given up the 12th most fantasy points to the position. Uh, catch rate actually of 72.8%, which is highest in the league. So uh, like the chances this week of George Pickens outperforming ECR, regardless of who is throwing the ball to him. It's a juicy matchup there. And I love that you mentioned regardless of who's throwing the ball, because as of right now, when we're filming this, we don't know for sure who is going to be the starting quarterback. I know that Kenny Pickett intends to play. We do see a lot of times where players intend to play, and it doesn't always work out with your intentions versus what your body can actually do. But I like that you pulled that out because I know a lot of fantasy managers were panicking, thinking that if Mitch Trubisky comes in, we're going to see him prefer Deontay Johnson. But the one thing I wanted to point out was that Mitch Trubisky didn't over target um over target Deontay Johnson last week it was actually the vast majority of the talk- targets were from Kenny Pickens so even if we have this change over to Mitch Trubisky I don't think we're seeing something that is really indicative of the quarterback situation it might have just been a weird game situation with how they chose to attack that defense last week so I'm still in on George Pickens Pat I see you're still in on George Pickens at wide receiver 23 what are your thoughts around George Pickens Yeah, you make a good point about the quarterback thing, Tara. I mean, Pickett does sound like he's going to play. But even if he doesn't, I don't think the drop-off from Kenny Pickett to Mitch Trubisky is enough to warrant like a major downgrade of uh, the Steelers' pass catchers. It's not like, I don't know, the Eagles going from Jalen Hurts to Marcus Mariota. Uh, Like that is a precipitous drop-off. And and this one would just be sort of a, uh, you know, a a step down half a flight of stairs, I think. so this this does seem like a gross overreaction. Like even with the one catch game last week, Pickens is still wide receiver 23 in fantasy scoring. Um, and I like the matchup. Billy mentioned how the Titans have given up a lot of points to wide receivers. And individually, Pickens is going to see a lot of Chris, Christian Fulton and Sean Murphy bunting this week. I like those individual matchups for him. I think he gets back on the right track this week. 
I completely agree. Love the matchup for him. Moving on to the B minus tier here. We've got Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs, Drake London, Jordan Addison. We're going to pause here and talk about two particular players because while it's a small tier, it is a very impactful tier here. And one of the guys that we want to pull out here is Drake London, who has a brand new quarterback situation. Um, And this is funny because we can talk about, you know, the transition from Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke and how that's going to affect this offense. Maybe it's not going to be a big issue because you guys aren't feeling very negatively about Drake London this week. ECR has him at wide receiver 34. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 32. And Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 27. Pat, I'll start off with you. Wide receiver 32. So just a little bit higher than consensus there. How are you feeling about Drake London and this transition, apparently potentially temporary transition over to Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I'm above consensus, but I hate that Billy outflanked me on Drake London because I am like <laughs> the uh, big Drake London truther. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not at all sweating the quarterback change. Like we saw Taylor Heineke float the value of Terry McLaurin last year and, um, you know, actually make Jahan Dotson a, a pretty fantasy viable player whenever Dotson was playing last year. So, um, you know, no downgrade might even be a, a slight upgrade, actually, for the, the Falcons pass catchers. Um, but since week two, London has averaged five targets and 5.3 catches a game. Gets a nice matchup against the Vikings, who've been a lot better against the run than the pass this season. They've given up, I believe, the sixth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So, yeah, I, I think assuming Drake London plays, and I, I know he's dealing with a little bit of a groin issue, if he plays... Um, I, I think he's someone you want in your starting lineup in a, a four-team bye week. Yeah, Billy, assuming that he's playing right here, you know, t- talk to us about how you're viewing Drake London this week. Yeah, assuming he plays, I, I do think that Taylor Heineke is a step up from Drake London. Even in the the, the game last week that we saw, um, every metric for the most part was better than Desmond Ritter. We yards per attempt at 8.33 versus uh, Desmond Ritter on the season at 7.09. And in that game, 5.92. Um, completion percentage always a little bit lower, but that's because he's pushing the ball down the field. dot 11.7, where on the season we've seen Desmond Ritter at 8.8 8 on the dots. So um, I like Taylor Heineke as a quarterback for Drake London. Someone who's going to be pushing the ball down to him, given that he plays, um, as, as we've mentioned. Uh, he's been seeing roughly 30% of the total target share, uh, some weeks more, some weeks slightly less. But uh, last week, a little banged up, you know, left left injured, only saw 21%. But if we can get closer to that 30% mark with someone willing to push the ball down the field, uh, we got to like the matchup as well. Um, we have them facing off against... Minnesota and Minnesota right now has given up the six most fantasy points to the wide receiver position uh, out wide and inside. They cannot stop. Uh, they cannot stop anybody. So 163 points out wide. They've given up 153 points to the slot uh, and catch rate 69 percent, which is going to be the six most as well. So I like uh, Drake London. Uh, I would challenge Pat for that Drake London Stan uh, uh, crown <laughs> because I've been a huge Drake London fan as well. I uh, would like to see him have a better quarterback and I think Tyler Heineke is going to be that guy. I, I love it. We talked about that Minnesota defense a little bit when we were discussing um, the running backs earlier. 
And we mentioned that they're, they've been difficult matchup in terms of the running backs going against the Minnesota defense. So you're right. This is, could be a situation where we see that pass volume flow a little bit more through Taylor Heineke, and maybe we can get a solid Drake London game here. He's been very consistent, even with the bad quarterback play. So I'm with you guys. I lean towards being a little bit above consensus with him on this one. We also talked about Taylor Heineke and the way that he made Jahan Dotson a touchdown magnet last year. Maybe he does that with Drake London, but if not, let's talk about Jahan Dotson anyway. ECR has him at wide receiver 41, and this is interesting because you guys are in complete agreement here. We don't have any debate here. We've got complete agreement that we're a little bit lower, unfortunately, on Jahan Dotson here. Wide receiver 46 for both of you. So we saw Jahan Dotson coming off that strong performance. But uh, Pat, talk to us about the hesitation here with Jahan Dotson. Yeah, another instance, I think, of ECR overreaction after Dotson's eight-catch, 108-yard, one-touchdown game last week against the Eagles. Um, It was the first time all year that Jahan Dotson has had more than 40 receiving yards in a game, and the first time all year he's gotten into the end zone. So um, let's slow our roll on Jahan Dotson a little bit. He also did that against the Eagles, who have been just terrible at, at covering this year, like the Eagles pass rush, considering how high they rank in sacks and, and pretty respectable on pressure rates, um, their cornerbacks are still getting torched almost weekly. So I, I think the matchup was part of it. Um, the matchup against the Patriots this week, not quite as good. And Sam Howell has been spreading the ball around um, like Terry McLaurin seems to get his targets every week. But other than that, it's been a really even distribution between, you know, Jahan Dotson, whoever's playing the slot for uh, the commanders, whether it's Curtis Samuel or last week, Jamison Crowder, after Samuel got hurt, uh, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson. So it's it's been kind of a spread it around offense. Yeah, there's been a lot of pass volume for the Washington commanders, but I don't know if we can count on Dotson getting the sort of usage every week that he saw last week against the Eagles. So yeah, I'm, I'm below consensus pretty safely on Dotson this week. Billy, do you have those same concerns around the consistency here? Are we overreacting and we need to slow down because we don't know for sure if this kind of volume is something that we're going to see on a weekly basis for him? I do think it's a, a bit of an overreaction. That being said, Curtis Samuel is still dealing with a toe issue um, and is going to be undergoing more tests. So if that does... Uh, result to him missing time. That's quite a bit of target share that's going to be up for grabs. Um, I'd expect Jahan Dawson to see some of that. I would definitely expect to see Crowder see some of that. But um, anytime we see this pie get consolidated, it is always a good thing for those who are left to be on the field. Um, so I could see a scenario where you know that total of 16, 17% is up for grabs. Jahan Dotson might see four or five more of that, which is going to get him a little bit closer to ECR, if not above it. So I think there is definitely an out for him to exceed that ECR. Um, as of today, you know, I'm not going to be pulling the trigger on that until the news comes in. Um, and But I do think that uh, uh, there's cause for concern to Pat's, to Pat's point, but there is also an out. So I'm going to kind of play the middle here and say I'm waiting until I get more more news. Smart move. A little bit of a fluctuation here, depending on what happens with the situation there with Curtis Samuel. Moving on to back to our tiers, we're going to go to the C plus tier. We've got Joshua Palmer, Tank Dell, 
Marquise Brown, Christian Watson, Michael Thomas, and Rashid Shahid in this tier. It's an interesting tier of guys that have um, somewhat shaky situations. The most stable quarterback situation with Joshua Palmer, but unfortunately has been dealing with that knee injury. And look, guys, looking at this tier, Pat, is there anyone that really stands out here for you? Christian Watson, I, I feel, is like um, just kind of uh, slumming it in this tier for now. Like he is eventually going to move to a, a higher place, I think, in our um, in ECR and just our overall esteem for him. Like it hasn't clicked for him since coming back from injury. But I, I think it's just a matter of time, even though Jordan Love has not been what we uh, at least what you and I as Packer fans, Tara, uh, hoped he would be but I still think Christian Watson has some big games ahead of him this year. <laughs> Slumming it. I love it. This <laughs> around these guys in this tier. Hopefully Marquise Brown won't be slumming it in this tier next week. Maybe this week we're kind of keeping him down in this year and kind of hesitating with the whole quarterback trade situation. Joshua Dobbs now in Minnesota and we don't 100% know what's going to happen here with the quarterback situation in Arizona this week, but more than likely next week. Hopefully crossing our fingers, Kyler Murray. Billy, for you, what stands out in this tier? Yeah, I think uh, Pat spot the duck, right? Christian Watson, I think, definitely stands out here. It's 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 been one of the biggest letdowns of the draft season. I mean, it's a guy that I was, you know, over over-owned inside of drafts. I was, I was going off the talent and the athleticism and just it hasn't clicked for the offense. And um, let's face it, Jordan Love doesn't like to play football in the first half of the game. He only plays the second half. And so anytime that happens, we're we're not getting the, the entire efficiency of the offense and, and uh, you know, accumulating those fantasy points in the first half. So Watson, been a bit, a bit of a letdown, hasn't really succeeded or been living up to expectations. And I agree with Pat and what he said here. So I think he's the odd man out in this group. Makes sense. Moving on to our C tier. We talked about Jahan Dotson. We've also got Romeo Dobbs, Brandon Cooks, Jackson Smith and Jigba making a little bit of a push. Demario Douglas coming up now, moving rapidly up the rankings and with the unfortunate injury to Kendrick Bourne. Then we've got Tyler Boyd, KJ Osborne, Michael Gallup, and Elijah Moore. There are some guys who are a couple of potential high upside players. We talked about Dotson here, but is there anyone other than, you know, Dotson that you want to pull out here and talk about, Billy? Is there someone that kind of stands out here as maybe being miss not belonging in this tier or somebody that should, you know, maybe move up a little bit? Yeah, someone needs to move up here. I really liked Mario Douglas um, in, inside of this tier. Uh, it, someone He saw 22% of the targets last week, 84% of the routes. Uh, he's on the field. I think he's going to be one of the, the, the biggest benefits or benefiters of, of the injury to Kendrick Bourne. Uh, and he has been performing with what he has seen. So unlike Juju Smith or unlike, um, you know, Devonte Parker, guys who have been on the field, they just have not been producing. So I'd uh, like to see the upside tomorrow, Douglas. I think uh, he's in a position this week to do it as well. Uh, like the matchup, like like his usage. I think I think this is someone who's uh, uh, mispriced this this week inside of rankings. I am so on board with you in this one. I had him high in my waiver wire rankings on this one. It's a guy that you really needed to grab. He had already surpassed, in my opinion, um, Juju and Devontae Parker. And this just opens up the opportunity here with him being able to step into that wide receiver one position. We talked about the matchup with Washington and the changes that have gone over there through the trades. So this could just be the the happy storm to get him a nice, you know, a big uptick as the official technical wide receiver one there for New England. Pat, for you, is there anyone that stands out in this tier? 
Yeah, um, it's also Demario Douglas. Like, I got to piggyback on you guys here with this one. Um, like, I remember back in training camp and, you know, how we hang on the daily reports from the beat writers. And, like, every day in Patriots training camp, it was like, another good day for Demario Douglas. Another good day. He looked like the best receiver on the field. Um, and I, I think as long as, uh, well, now with Kendrick Bourne out for the year with the torn ACL, like, I think Demario Douglas is their top wide receiver now. And, and like, I think he is probably going to lead the team in targets the rest of the way. Wouldn't be surprised to see that. And Terry, you mentioned the matchup now against, uh, the commanders who traded away like every pass rusher. I think they also traded Dexter Manley, uh, away yesterday. So, um, like they are just not going to be able to get after the quarterback and those cornerbacks have been vulnerable all season long. So great matchup, great opportunity for Demario Douglas. Uh, I'm, I'm starting him in like two or three leagues this week. I mean, and only one of them is a 16 teamer where I'm in bi-week trouble. Uh, a couple of them are actually 12 teamers. So very excited about Demario. Uh, wheels up for him in week nine. Love it. We are all in consent. We are the rankings consensus agreement on Demario Douglas being someone that we have to look at this week. Uh, absolutely love it. I got a little overzealous, guys, as I moved us down the tiers. I, I want to talk about Jordan Addison here. I want to go back to the B minus tier and talk about Jordan Addison, who was one spot below Drake London. I want to pull him out here. And we're talking about him as wide receiver 35. And this one is very interesting because there's so many different angles for us to approach with this. We've got the change at quarterback here. We're not going to have uh, Joshua Dobbs yet this week. And it makes it a little bit shaky here, but we also do have a matchup where he could, you know, be able to still thrive. He is the wide receiver one of this offense that might still continue to be a little bit pass heavier here. So we're kind of looking at him. ECR has him at wide receiver 35. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 37. So just a tiny bit further back. But Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 25. So Billy, I'll start off with you here. Um, I know we've got so many changes going on with Jordan Addison, but should we still be buying into the talent and the production that he's had over the past two weeks? Not going to lie. I feel a little uncomfortable with where I saw him had him on the rankings uh, when Pat put him on the list. It was one of those I said, oh, I've been exposed. I need to I need to adjust this guy. <laughs> um, that, that being said, Terry, you bring up a good point. He is the wide receiver one still in an offense. He's still going to see 24 to 26% of the target share. Um, we're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot because they're probably going to be behind. Um, so game script was going to be in his favor. Uh, to your point as well, he's talented um, and he has a knack for the end zone. Um, he's consistently scored touchdowns. So seven on the season so far through eight weeks. So um, if there's one thing we can count on, it's Jordan Addison find the end zone. And uh, even if there is uh, maybe a a bit of, of concern or a lot of concern at the quarterback position, um, I do think that he's still going to be a high-end wide receiver three, regardless of who is throwing the ball, simply due to the volume uh, and the talent. I agree with you. I was bullish on him last week. I'll probably continue to be a little bit more bullish than ECR. At this point, I'm convinced he could maybe throw the ball him to himself and score a touchdown. That is how much he has been a lock for touchdowns. Pat, you're just a little bit further back, not too much. So we're not gonna we're not gonna knock you on that as, as we uh love Jordan Addison this week. But um wide receiver 37. Is there, you know, is it just the quarterback situation here that just brings along the skepticism of his performance? 
That is mainly it, Tara. Yeah. And um, he he has smashed the last two weeks, and it you know would be tempting to say. Ever since Justin Jefferson's been out, um, Jordan Addison has smashed. Although that's not really true because that first game with no Jefferson was against Chicago. He only had three catches for 28 yards, did have a touchdown, but that was with Kirk Cousins. Now with Jaron Hall, I mean, this is uh, this is one of the big drop-offs we are talking about. This is not the gentle slope um, between Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. This is uh, the big... Um, fall off the cliff, I think, from Kirk Cousins to Jaron Hall here. So, um, yeah, that's part of it. And then the fact that the Atlanta corners can cover, too, A.J. Terrell and Jeff Akuda. Like, this is Addison running his routes against some really good players. So I'm concerned here about Addison, whereas I think the floor was pretty sturdy the last few weeks with Jefferson out of the picture. Now that we've got this quarterback change, like, I don't think the floor is uh, quite the terra firma it has been for Jordan Addison. It'll be interesting. Maybe this is the barometer game of just how quarterback proof, how matchup proof, how elite is Jordan Addison. This will be the game that we can use to judge. Moving on to the C minus tier. We've got Jaden Reed here, Curtis Samuel, <clears throat> DJ Chark, Wandale Robinson, and Tutu Atwell. This is this is a tier. I'll, I'll say that. This is a tier. Is there anything, guys, that we can kind of pull out of this one? Pat, I'll start off with you. A couple of weeks ago, I had hope for Rondale, Wandale Robinson. I have no hope for the Giants receivers anymore. Yeah. Even with Daniel Jones coming back, this is just... It, even with Daniel Jones coming back and Darren Waller hurts, um, I, I think this offense is like Saquon Barkley and this medley of mediocrity at receiver for the Giants. So I, I don't want to touch any of the Giants. 39 carries for Saquon. This is the most incredible. I mean, just, they're just going to run. They're going to run Saquon into the ground here on this one-year deal, unfortunately, because they can't throw the ball and the offense has to go through Saquon. So I agree with you. I just, I had hopes for Wandale, but those hopes have just gone up in flames, unfortunately. Billy, is there anything here that kind of stands out for you? Uh I think the thing that stands out the most is it's just disgusting tier. I mean, I don't want anything to do really with any of these guys. If I had to pick one, it's Jaden Reed, just because he seems to have a knack for a big play from time to time and 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 can pop off the touchdown. You know, he has a two-touchdown performance against Atlanta, which is a tough defense. He had one against Denver. Um, so if I had to gamble, I'm going Jaden Reed here, but I want to stay away from this tier if I have the option. I agree. We're and we're gonna move further down into the tiers, into the D plus tier, <laughs> uh, the bye weeks. It's the bye. Let's tell us. We'll say it's the bye weeks, the quarterback injuries, and everything that's just making it so difficult here. But I've got my eye on someone as we're moving further down in these tiers. Um, the D plus tier here. We've got Alan Lazard, Rondell Moore, Quinton Johnston, Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not a big fan of this tier. We did finally at least see kind of an uptick in production from Quinton Johnston. It was forced upon him, and something did happen. And at least a little bit there, but is there is there anything here in this tier that you could maybe pull from, Billy? Yeah, I like Rondale here in this tier. Uh, again, when we talk about a new quarterback with Tune coming in, uh, they typically look at that short intermediate routes. Rondale is kind of the king of the short routes. You know, one of the the lowest ADOTs in the league. Uh, he also has uh, involvement in the rushing game. So if all else fails, they're going to run the ball, and he'll probably see a handful of those as well, whether it be jet sweeps or or designed runs. So I, I like his versatility, especially when this this offense is is going to look to get creative 
uh, with Clayton Tune at quarterback and try to look at different ways to potentially move the ball down the field against a, a stout Cleveland defense. So I think that Rondell Moore for me has the most uh, appealing or appeal in, in week nine. The upside exists for him. Is it weird to say that I miss Cliff Kingsbury just specifically for Rondell Moore? <laughs> That's it. That's only it. Everything else go, but just I miss the way that he utilized Rondell Moore. Anything here for you, Pat? Yeah, Cliff's horizontal passing game really did benefit <laughs> Rondell, didn't it? Um <laughs> So uh, for me, like Quentin Johnston, like the circumstances are just so perfectly set up for him. I mean, not only Mike Williams being out for the season, but now Josh Palmer is banged up. Gerald Everett is banged up. Um, Like just this should be the golden opportunity for Quentin Johnston. So like it wouldn't surprise me if we got like a big smash game out of QJ out of nowhere. I mean, like, do I want to start him? In a redraft league, no, I, I kind of don't. But uh, would I consider maybe throwing him into like a GPP and DFS? Sure, why not? Um, like I, I, it would not shock me if we got like one big time game from Quentin Johnston in the next few weeks. Wouldn't shock me either. Cross our fingers that we can at least get to that at some point. And then we've got the D tier here. Michael Wilson, Darius Slayton, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Khalil Shakir, Jonathan Mingo, Traylon Burks, and, Ra- and Rashad Bateman. I said there was one player that kind of had my eye here. I'm not going to lie. It is Khalil Shakir. I loved what I saw out of him last week, stepping into that slot role, taking over while Dalton Kincaid moved into the more traditional tight end role. And I loved it because we saw strong production from Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid. And yet there was still a role deal there for Khalil Shakir in the slot. And I feel like it's going to stick as long as Dawson Knox is out. So if I'm pulling anyone out here, I'm feeling a lot more positively about Khalil Shakir than I am for any of these other guys. You know, Billy, what are your thoughts here in this tier? Yeah, I, I agree. Khalil Shakir had a surprising 15% target share last week. He saw a you know massive increase in routes at 72%, where kind of in weeks one through six was floating in that 15 to 18% range. And so uh, if he is going to be stepping in for the, the lack of, of tight ends on the field, then I think that he's got a role that's going to stick because um, they had two tight ends out last week. Looks like Knox is going to be, uh, you know, out a while. Um, I had Kincaid pretty high and I think he's going to continue to be high, but um, I did not think that Shakir was going to take on this larger role this quick. I thought they were going to utilize more digs. I thought they were going to utilize more Cape Davis. Um, but no, they just threw Shakir right into the wolves and and said, you're now the slot receiver in, in, in the mix here for these Titans being out. So I think um, if this continues, I think we can cons- honestly, probably another guy who's mispriced in tiers probably should belong in this um, C tier range. If maybe D, D plus tier, if he's going to see that type of usage move forward. I agree. Pat, how about you in this tier? I like Shakir too. And if uh, Dawson Knox and Quentin Morris are both out and the Bills can't play 12 personnel uh, as they like to, that does mean more snaps for Shakir. And um, I've got Shakir in like multiple dynasty teams. I I loved him at Boise State. He's like a mini Debo Samuel when he gets the ball into his hands. He's just really hard to tackle. Um, So I like Shakir. And I I think Michael Wilson was in this tier too. uh, This tier also. Don't like him this week with Clayton Toon at quarterback. But once Kyler Murray gets into the lineup, uh, Michael Wilson is going to be kind of intriguing because Kyler will push the ball downfield a little bit. And, uh, you know, Wilson is just he's he's the one receiver 
Arizona has with decent size. And, um, you know, I think they're going to continue to look to utilize him this year. And basically, he would have been a star in college if he'd been able to stay healthy. Like, he had health issues throughout his college career, but he's good. Like, Michael Wilson is a good player. I'm excited about his future, and I can't wait to see what it looks like with Kyler Murray at quarterback. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the Who Would You Rather segment. This is a good one here. We've got Rasheed Rice versus the Dolphins or Gabe Davis versus the Bengals. Rasheed Rice coming on strong as the wide receiver one for Kansas City. Gabe Davis, the wide receiver two, but obviously a very productive role within the context of Buffalo's offense. So, Billy, who would you rather, Rasheed Rice or Gabe Davis this week? Gabe Davis all the way. I... I finally saw the Gabe Davis usage last week that I've been hoping for for two years. Um, this is a guy that I've overowned every single time that he's available. I draft him, it seems like. I like the talent, like the offense. At some point, he had to step up and be the number two receiver in the Buffalo Bills offense, and we're finally starting to see it. Uh, he saw 31% of the targets last week, 98% of the routes. Uh, so... Again, this goes back to them being down weapons and not being able to utilize 12 personnel and, and having to, to to force the ball into wide receiver hands. And so as long as this continues, kind of on that same conversation of Khalil Shakir, the offense is going to have to change and look a little different. Gabe Davis is going to be one of the main uh, benefiters of, of, of this change of offense. So I like Gabe Davis, uh, and I'm looking forward to this new look offense for him. I agree with you. I, I'm on the Gabe Davis side. Uh, you know, Miami defense, it was interesting. Jalen Ramsey coming back and immediately interception, touchdown. Dolphins secondary maybe looking a little bit different than they are previously before he came back. Pat, for you, Rasheed Rice or Gabe Davis this week? It's Gabe Davis for me, too. And I don't know if the high target volume sticks, but even if it doesn't, Gabe Davis has a, a really high percentage of uh, games where he hits on big plays and, and makes his fantasy quota for you with like a single splash play touchdown and um you know like i the game script sets up well in a game against the Bengals. it looks like it's going to be a true shootout and a, a game we're certainly really excited to watch um rishi rice exciting trajectory no question about it he is i think the most talented of the chiefs receivers i, I don't think that's like any sort of profound statement but um we know Gabe Davis is going to be on the field a lot, like for, for the vast majority of the Bills' offensive snaps. Rasheed Rice's snap share is ticking up, but it's still not where we want it to be. So, yeah, I'm going Gabe Davis here. Yeah, you said, you know, maybe it's not a profound statement, but I feel like it needs to be said still because we do have the Kadarius Tony truthers floating around there that's, you know, are still hoping, they're holding on and hoping, but it is definitely Rasheed Rice season over there in Kansas City. All right, our second, who would you rather here? Tank Dell versus the Buccaneers or Christian Watson, who we talked about earlier a little bit, versus the Rams. This one is, um, it's closer than we would hope or think, huh? Pat, Tank Dell or Christian Watson? Yeah, I gave it away earlier. I mean, I like Dell, and he is the better quarterback, but Christian Watson is just like the far superior player, in my opinion. So Christian Watson. Billy, how about you? Oh, man. I meant it when I said I don't trust Christian Watson earlier, and I'm going <laughs> to say I have to go with Tank Dell, and I think this comes with a caveat to say as long as Robert Woods is on the field, Tank Dell is going to continue to be above Watson inside the rankings. 19% target share last week, 93% routes ran. Um, Tampa Bay this week gives up the eighth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. I like Tank Dell this week. I have him six spots higher than Watson in the wide receiver rankings. 
That's a good point. Just based off history alone, people might feel like the Bucks might be a better matchup than they are, but nope, they have been a very convenient matchup for opposing wide receivers. All right, we're going to do one more segment here. We're going to talk uh, flex spots, flex appeal. Pat and Billy, I'm going to give you three players who fall into the flex zone, and you're going to tell me how you would order these three players. All right, Pat, we're going to start off with you. This first one is Kareem Hunt versus Marquise Brown versus Dalton Kincaid. Oh, it's a little spicy one here. We've got running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Yeah, um, I will go with Kareem Hunt on top, then Dalton Kincaid, then Marquise Brown. I do think Jerome Ford is going to be the lead running back for the Browns. Um, but Kareem Hunt is going to have a role for sure, and the matchup against the Cardinals is just great. The Cardinals cannot stop anyone on the ground. So I, th- I think there's uh, room for more than one Cleveland Browns running back to step up and have a, a nice day here. So, um yeah, Kareem Hunt, like, and Kincaid, Arrow is definitely pointing up with him for sure, but, you know, he does have to share targets with Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Khalil Shakir. And uh, I just don't want to use Hollywood Brown this week if I can help it, since we don't know if Clayton Toon can make the Arizona passing game functional. Billy, how about you? I'm very close to Pat here. Marquise Brown is last for me, but I'm going to have uh, Hunt and Kincaid swapped. I'm going to put Kincaid first. Uh, Bengals give up the seventh most fantasy points to the tight end position. Like the usage I saw at a Kincaid last week with 18% target share. I think that's closer to 20% this week, 85% of the routes. So I like the usage. I think it's, the, the, the trend is continuing up, and I think that he's uh, going to have another good week against the Bengals. I agree here. Under normal circumstances, this would be Marquise Brown for me, but he is last. I do have Dalton Kincaid first and then Kareem Hunt sitting there in the middle. All right, moving on to our second who would you rather. Oh, man. A.J. Dillon, who we have talked about quite a few times here on this show. Tyler Boyd and then Demario Douglas, who we talked about earlier. Um, Pat, what's the order here for you? Oh, uh, Demario Douglas, number one with a bullet here. Um, Billy, we better hope Demario Douglas smashes this week. <laughs> we're saying nothing but good things about him. Yeah, I really like the outlook for him. Like he's a, a low end wide receiver three for me, but I, I think there's ample upside. Not so much upside with AJ Dillon sharing work with uh, Aaron Jones and just like not a lot of explosion in Dillon's game. Maybe you get a, a short yard touchdown out of him if you're lucky, but like there aren't going to be any 50 yard runs with AJ Dillon. So um, limited upside. And then Tyler Boyd, always kind of unpredictable when all of the Bengals receivers are healthy. You just never know. They're occasionally good weeks where, um, you know, either T Higgins or Jamar Chase fades into the background and Tyler Boyd kind of goes off like the defense forgets about him. But then they're also going to be his, uh, you know, two for 22 type of game. So um, he's he's third for me this week. Douglas, Dylan Boyd. What about you, Billy? How are you ordering them? Oh, I think it's Demario Douglas by a long shot. I'm going to double down here with Pat. And I, you know, I don't even think that we need to be concerned here, Pat, because this is how good of a week Demario Douglas is going to have against Washington, who gives up the second most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. I don't even think they could stop me and you if we were running routes out there on the field. Um, so I think Demario Douglas is going to far outseed our route running abilities and is going to be a smash play at number one of these guys. 
AJ Dillon, disgustingly second. Tyler Boyd, third. I don't like either of these options, but uh, AJ Dillon is at least a little bit more consistent with the usage. I just don't really like the production overall. But if I had to, AJ Dillon, number two, Tyler Boyd, three. Ah, for me, I am going to triple down on Demario <laughs> Douglas. And then I am slightly different. I will go Tyler Boyd over AJ Dillon. I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping this is a preemptively monitoring injury report situation that we can get, you know, clearance earlier on Aaron Jones and have more workload for him. And maybe that'll happen and push AJ Dillon a little bit further down. Um, just as a reminder, guys, we are pro Demario Douglas before we close out this show. I'm just kidding. Not <laughs> to kidding. the moon, baby. Super pro. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> just, you know what? We should just rename this particular podcast. It is not the, it's not the fantasy pros ranking show this week is the fantasy pros Demario Douglas show. So, um yes maybe we can edit that in maybe i mean i would love it i would love it all right um again as a reminder seriously um to make sure that you if you're having any questions around your flex questions you know you can look at the who should i start tool in my playbook it's for those tough decisions some of these decisions are tougher than the others and this will help you out it gives you a full breakdown of everything that you need to know in the my playbook app and that wraps things up here for our ranking show this week. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions about lineups or trades, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, and I know you do, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits. And I know you want more of Billy's work. I always do as well. So make sure that you check out Billy's work on Player Profiler. You can find Billy at FFMuseo and pat at fitz underscore ff and you can find me at it's tara time for pat fitz morris for billy musio i'm tara roberts thank you for tuning in thanks for listening to the fantasy pros fantasy football podcast follow us on x instagram and tiktok at fantasy pros and subscribe to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 